I just want you all to know that it's a thing where it's gradually, 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 then suddenly. When you paid your dues earlier, it's a saying, you do the things today that other people aren't willing to do so you can do the things tomorrow other people can't do. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Color Money Podcast. Hey, today we're going to have a great session. I'm your host for today, Emmerich Peace. As you can see, um, I have these beautiful ladies here with me this afternoon. I have Keisha Knight and Gabby Maddox-Davis. We're going to have a great conversation about building wealth and franchising, the opportunity and the conversation. Uh, the whole idea of this is, you know, how do we build wealth? How do we build wealth around franchising? How do we build wealth around opportunities? How do we grow our lives? And the big part of the conversation is, you know, when we talk about growing our wealth and having opportunities, an opportunity is not an opportunity unless you can take advantage of it. If someone talks to you about something and you you believe that it's an opportunity and you're not available or you're not able to take advantage of it, it's just a conversation. And so I wanted to have this great conversation with these two beautiful women because they just opened up the first majority Black-owned Keller Williams franchise in Atlanta, and it's called Atlanta West. I'm so excited about having this conversation with them because these are two dynamic women, and both of them are mega agents in the Atlanta area. Both of them have are super well accomplished as salespeople. Now, how do you move that sales business into a investment business, into a franchise business? Uh, and that's the whole idea. The idea is business. What are we doing? And so, Keisha, you've been in, you've been, you, matter of fact, you kind of sort of mentored Gabby a little bit, didn't you? Back in I the day. Did. I did when she first got going. Um, I was blessed to, you know, come into a relationship with her and just kind of help her get going. She was already a rock star coming from um, her corporate sales background, but right. I was like, kind of, you know, pour into her a little bit, being the newbie in our office. Ah, okay. Can, and then get Can I add to that, Emory? Yeah, because uh-huh. I, I want to hit that because, like, I, this is such a dynamic that we don't see a lot. So, Gabby, you're coming not. into this new environment. What What is that like coming into a new environment with Keisha as a new agent? And we're going to talk about from a business She's being very also. modest. She's being okay. very modest right now. <laughs> so I, I come from corporate B2B sales, business to business sales. And when I came in, um, we had an office of over 600 agents and there weren't many who looked like me. It was probably 15. <laughs> and when I walked in, she was the first person to embrace me and from there, it gave me a safe place to say what I didn't know, what I felt comfortable with, um, what I didn't feel comfortable with. And when I had my first consult, I'm coming from corporate. So, you know, you give people stuff when they mentor you right away. She's like, I don't need anything. Let me help you with your first consult. Let me walk you through it at no charge. I want to make sure you're just prepared for the business to come. And so I'm like, she's giving a modest version. But really, from there, I became her little sister. And that was almost 10 years ago now. But she just helped me from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, now let's fast forward. We fast forward to this opportunity. We fast forward to this uh, market center opportunity. And Keisha, you're introduced to this opportunity and you understand that 
and, and which is something that's really important about building wealth and franchise, you understand that you cannot, you should not do this alone. You probably could have made the best attempt to do it alone. Probably doesn't work out the best way. So you've realized that you have to build a team and you built a team. And originally you had one team and you were the leader and then the team shifted a little bit. Tell us about this whole collaboration idea of the franchise opportunity opening up for you and what your thoughts were. And then the transition to the team, growing a team to help you do this. And then the other transition to say, maybe I should bring someone else to lead this team. Let's talk about that for a second, because those are not the conversations that we have. And again, it's about the opportunity and the conversation. So this opportunity, I started probing around about um, franchise opportunity, maybe in about 2019. I went to my OP at the time um, and I, you know, just asked her, how do I get an opportunity to be in ownership with Keller Williams? And basically, she told me, you need to be present. You need to, you know, make sure you're active on the ALC. Make sure you're a top producer in the office. Make sure you're going to those those meetings so that you can network and meet the who's who in the business. And so I began to do that. And my mindset was always exit strategy. You know, I tell agents all the time, you know, the goal is not to be 70 years old, still running around her trying to sell real estate. Like, you got to have an exit strategy and a strong plan because as realtors, we don't have 401ks, you know, and all these great um, retirement benefits. So that's where the conversation started. Then fast forward, uh, Mike Gray, um, I had the pleasure of him being our team leader at the Sandy Springs office here in Atlanta. And we were going over like our one, three, five and our, and our goals in real estate. He said he wanted to flip and I was already flipping houses. And I told him, I want to be a franchise owner. So he told me, you know, if he had ever gotten the opportunity to be in a position to put me in the room, you know, he would. Um, And he definitely, definitely made good on that promise. Um, The opportunity was originally given to someone else um, here in the Atlanta market. But um, there was a lot of research that came with that opportunity. It wasn't just like here, you can open up a market center. Um, Gabby even helped me do some reporting and do some research, SWOT analysis, we needed to make sure this was a viable area um, that we were opening this market center in. Uh, we need to make sure the numbers were tight. And so me being in the business 10 years, I know a ton of great agents. Um, and I just start writing down a list of who came to mind who would I, I would want to go into business with, who were smart, savvy, savvy business people, and who also had the talent of being able to recruit. I recruited a lot of agents to Keller Williams. Um, and I wanted business partners that could help me recruit and really grow a market center. So that ended up being, um, Meryl Johnson, um, that ended up being Courtney Newton, John Zerker, and and of course, Gabby, um, Gabby wasn't even with us at the time, wasn't with KW at the time, but I reached out and I said, Gabby, I promise you, if you come back to KW, I will make it well worth your time. And so Gabby thought about it and she came on back. Um, And like you said, initially I was the operating principal um, in this opportunity, but life be life. And let me just say that I'll say 2022 and 2023 have been like the hardest, like 
uh, adult years of my life. Um, this year, this year alone, really, why I stepped down from the role was because um, you know my my parents had issues; they were in and out of the hospital. My stepfather had a major brain surgery with a, a tumor having to be removed, um, and I haven't even shared this with a lot of people. I was actually pregnant and had a miscarriage, so it was just overwhelming for me to continue to be in that role. And I said, Gabby. I don't know anyone as smart and savvy as you, um, you know, that I would feel comfortable, you know, uh, heading up this role. So I asked her, would she step in and take over the OP a role? And she was like, sis, let me think about it. <laughs> she did not jump right in. She was like, let me think about it. Let me talk to my husband about it. And I'm going to get back with you. So she put me on ice a good week or so. <laughs> and, and you know what? And, 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 you know, when we're having this conversation like this, right, that you said some things and you said originally some, it was someone else's opportunity. It wasn't someone else's opportunity. It was somebody else's conversation. And the reason why it wasn't their opportunity, because they couldn't bring it to fruition. It was a conversation, right, and where they were having a conversation and they were having a conversation about what could happen. And you were talking about the opportunity that's in front of you that you're going to take advantage of. So you took advantage of it. So you took advantage of the opportunity as opposed to just having a conversation. And, and, and that's what's really important a lot of times for us is that we have to stop having conversations and we have to be able to grab the bull by the horns and take advantage of the opportunity. And something else that you said, you said, you said a few words, you said business partners, right? You said relationships, you said personal challenges, you said family situation. And then the last thing that I wrote was when you said a smart person. Definitely. And so here's the deal. The smart person falls on both ends. The smart person falls in on your side where you were smart enough to figure out that you had to do something different and you didn't let your ego take over to say you were the only one to do that. You brought somebody else in to take advantage of it. So that's a smart person in and of itself. Now, this takes a smart person to find a smart person to replace a smart person. So then you heard Gabby in this conversation. So Gabby, when we're talking about this and you're hearing this, from your perspective, how does all this come together? I mean, you, you know, you're at Compass, correct? Yeah, I was at Compass. And the reason I left Keller Williams up at the time was because I didn't like the response to George Floyd. And Compass's CEO came and called and was like, hey, we, we love, you know, and so I left. But then I realized I missed the culture. I wanted opportunity. But again, we don't have a lot of those conversations. Emmerich, you have you up in Maryland. We don't have an Emmerich in the Southeast region, right? And so a conversation of ownership was not even... I mean, I'm like, what? They have like real ownership opportunity. I didn't even think that was a thing at Keller Williams because we had never had those type of conversations. Right. And uh, from there, Keisha sat down with me. She told me we were going to Houston's for lunch <laughs> and I thought we were just going for lunch. And she said, hey, Gab, she, she tricked me. She said, hey, Gabby, <laughs> um, I really want you to take over as OP. And you got to think, this is 2021, 2022. We're coming off the best years of real estate of our lives. I'm an individual agent, 600K plus GCI, 25 million in volume. I'm like, no, I'm perfectly fine just being an investor. <laughs> you know, like it's going to take some thought 
But then that people piece and your passion plays into the role, right? At that point, I had already recruited our first team to the brokerage. And I looked at those people and I'm like, you know what? What good does it do if God gave me talent and I sit on my hands because I'm comfortable? I have planned to just relax, sell houses, have a few babies, you know, just mind my business with men. But then I said, God gave me too much talent to sit on my hands just because I'm comfortable. And I'm 32 at that. So I still have so much life ahead of me. Right. And so I said, you know what? I cannot turn this opportunity down because it's a gift and I can't sleep on it. Right. I really do. At the end of the day, I realized God teed me up for the opportunity to put her at bed. I, I realized that. So that's why when you mentioned the ego thing, it wasn't an ego thing for me because I just knew that I couldn't take it on with everything I had going on. I was literally on the edge of, oh my God, you know, um, am I going to have and a this girl course? got my back, Emmerich. When I tell you, I told her, I said, if I take this on, <laughs> you better support me full on. And when I say she has had my back and supported me through good, bad, or indifferent, I think that's the difference in launching this market center is, you know, we have a full support group. And as a millennial, that would have been one of my gaps, right? I would have just went and picked the top social influencers and put them all on the team. You know what? You know what? Gabby, I'm, 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 you're a questionable millennial. I want you to know that at 32, (laughs) you are, I think you. Who is the millennial? Is it a millennial? I thought you were closer to that other thing, like that Gen X thing or something. I ain't that young. Are you on the edge now? You on the edge. You on the edge. You on the edge. You like you like teetering (laughs) a little bit, right? Okay, okay. Your spirit, your spirit is your spirit is millennial, but I I think I think age wise, I think you might be teetering on on that X. But we we gonna leave that one alone. And, And so. We're talking about this thing, and when we talk about wealth building, Keisha, you mentioned something. You said exit strategy, right? You know, yes. How you? Because that's not a conversation that we typically have. We're so caught up so many times in how many houses we're going to list and sell. You know, what's the money going to be like? And you know, no offense, but y'all from Atlanta, y'all from the ATL, and y'all hey. somewhere up on Buckhead or somewhere buying some <laughs> fancy purse. And, getting your eyelashes uh-uh. done individual uh-uh. and all kinds of other stuff. Okay, I'm going to leave you all alone. But don't, anyway. Don't put us all into one bag, Emory. Atlanta no. is fly. We do like our bags and red bottoms, but that ain't all us, uh, us smart black girls in Atlanta are thinking about. We are also thinking about wealth building. And, and that's what I love. And that's why we're having this conversation because, you know, you, 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 you parted away from that 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 stigma or that thought process that that's what we do and you started thinking about what's next for me uh, you know you're in your you're in your late 30s right i'm in my 40s oh yes you just you, you just creeped in don't worry about it um <laughs> you just creeped into your 40s just like gabby just creeped into her 30s millennial style um at the end of the day you guys are thinking about what's next and I I believe that that's so important. So when you talk about that whole wealth building thing, how does it? How do you shift your mind from red bottoms and bags to the future of not riding folks up and down the road in the car 
selling real estate? What what was the big shift for you? What was the big shift for both of you? For me, Emmerich, I would say coming into this business and seeing you know agents that were older still running around trying to do this. I've seen agents have strokes, you know, heart attacks from just being stressed out and being in this business trying to perform at a high level. And it just, it was a class or something one of my former team leaders might have said, um, you know, might have mentioned in his class, just uh, talking about building wealth and having an exit strategy out of the day-to-day of retail real estate. I never want to be to the point of trying to perform that I'm killing myself, literally. So I said, I got to be smart, you know, and I got to think outside the box and and think about what it looks like for me to be able to travel the world and still have residual income and, and, and have money to be able to provide the lifestyle that I want. I don't have kids um, just yet, but I know that that's coming one day and I don't want to be a slave to my job forever. So and I, I, I said, we know you like brother. to travel and we know you like to travel. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a beautiful place. That, and that's, and I love that. And so Gabby, your transition, and I'm not even sure if yours was a transition. I watch, I literally watch Keisha transform. She don't even know it. People don't know when you're watching them. But however, I watched Keisha transform over the past like five years, which I really have. You just don't know it, Keisha. That's why I started talking about the bags and the purses. And I watched you transform over the past few years. Just so you know, I've been watching. So, Gabby, your, your transition or your difference in thought from that whole space. Yeah. So my grandma is a very big stickler on money. She raised me off of Dave Ramsey. And so for me, I had a very wealthy grandma and my mom, she wasn't the best with finances <laughs> at some point. And so I quickly realized, like, I didn't want to grow up not having. I also didn't want to create a dependency on my family. Right. And so I went right. to college. My grandma was like, if you're going to take out student loans, you need to be able to pay them all back. And so I ended up at some point working three jobs, real estate. I was a director at T-Mobile and I was... um <laughs> working at racetrack gas station to make sure I could okay. pay off my student loan debt. And then once I one got through Sandy that... Grant, the, one over, the one over on the south side? Nah. The race <laughs> no. <on> the south side? <laughs> no. No. I actually was working at one in Gwinnett. How funny. But okay. at that point, after I did that, I sat down with a closing attorney. Okay. And I was like, why are you working so hard? His name is Lee Campbell. He still practices. And I said, why are you working so hard? You've been an attorney for 35 years. You got one of the best practices in Atlanta. And at this time, I'm 25. And he's like, well, that's because I'm paying for my babies to go to college. I didn't save up for them to go to college. Mind you, you talking to a girl who at the time is working three jobs. And I'm like, who pays for their kids to go to college? You got to tell them to take out student loans. It wasn't until I had my son two years later that I realized that it was a privilege to be able to save up money and have a college fund for your kids. And I had to go back to him and apologize and say, I never had those kind of conversations. So I didn't understand that you're working hard to pay for it. And so I think to Keisha's point, being around people who have those conversations about money, my whole time I'm thinking it's, you know, doing your child disservice, paying for them to go to college. I'm thinking it makes them lazy. And I'm sitting there working three jobs, whereas his baby can focus on school and not have to worry about, you know, three jobs and really get that valued education that she's paying for. And so I think from that point on, I quickly realized, like, I got to save up for all the opportunities that I have because nobody saved up for me. 
including being an OP. Right when I switched over, Keisha, I'll tell everybody this. My previous company hit me with a $65,000 bill. I went from being investor to OP. So my, my, my money had to double, you know, so I had to have cash sitting in the bank <laughs> just to be able to get into this role debt free, you know? And so oh. it came a point. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Say that one time. You had to have money in the what? Bank. That's why you could take advantage of the opportunity. And when Keisha brought this to you, it wasn't a conversation. Because if you didn't have money in a bank, this would have only been a conversation. This would not have been an opportunity for you. I th- and that's where we have to really understand the fact that we have to start creating opportunity. We have to create situations where an opportunities happen for us. We can take advantage of the opportunity and not just have a conversation because we have money in the what? <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, I, I just had to bring that. I wanted to make sure we got that point because when we start having this conversation about wealth building, part of it is having resources, i.e. money in the bank, so that we can invest and we can shore up our future the way that you did, Gabby. So keep going. I apologize. I just had to like stop right there because you made emphasis on money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to. I mean, even my first year in business, I made the overall rookie mistake. I was coming from corporate America. I wasn't expecting to make, you know, that much money. And I didn't make that much money in real estate. I probably sold 15 houses my first year, but it was a good bit of money. And the next year I got hit by Uncle Sam. They're doing an audit. I didn't have any of my paperwork. I didn't pay any taxes on the money I had, you know. And so those lessons taught me really hard. <laughs> and I learned really quickly and one of the blessings, I'm always around Keisha and Meryl. Um, they just give me so much knowledge on exit strategy. So I'm 29 at the time thinking like, okay, exit strategy. What does that look like? What does that mean? What is that? You know, so being around people you trust who have those conversations. Well, and, and you know, and, and that that's another point, right? Uh, and I say this all the time. Relationships will take you places money can't. And so in, in that idea of that relationship with Merle and Keisha coming in that partnership, uh, that enlightened you to some things that you just really didn't think about in your 25-year-old brain, which was only four years fully developed, because you know the brain doesn't really develop, fully develop until you're 25. So we're going we gonna to give you that. You only had a four-year developed Thank brain you. at the time. Thank you. But, and, I appreciate and, that. And you listened. <laughs> the key part... The key part is that you listened. That's that's what's so important. You listened, you were a student. And so when opportunity came, no matter what it was, you were ready. Now, this whole idea, um, this whole idea about wealth building through franchise, Keisha, what what made you believe that that might be an opportunity for you to grow financially from being an OP? What 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 planted that seed in your mind? Um, I've said, I've had the, uh, the opportunity to sit on the agent leadership council, which we call the ALC at Keller Williams for at at least, uh, seven out of the 10 years that I was there. Um, so every month I got a a read of the OP's financials. I see what my OP was bringing in on a monthly basis. So I said, oh, (laughs) she makes this kind of money like every month from us as agents. 
And this is residual income for, for her at this point. So I'm like, how can I get that kind of money in my bank account? So, I mean, just having a, a bird's eye view on things just really changed my mindset and changed my, you know, my thinking. I, I've come from a background also. All my life, people have tried to get me to do multi-level marketing and to sell products and sell things. Body magic was big in Atlanta. Uh, the coffee thing was big in Atlanta. So it was always the conversation of residual income. So I, though I never engaged in those things, I always had it in the back of my mind. How can I get residual income coming into my bank account every month? And I, I call it like um, uh, bedtime money. Like literally you're in, in your sleep and your, and your cash app is going off or your PayPal is going off, you know, letting you know you've had a deposit. I, I want that kind of money. So that's what started the thought in my mind. And and so Gabby coming into this role as OP, was it more so based on the financial conversation, or was it based on uh, the no, service? I quickly learned. I quickly learned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> quickly, quickly learned. It is service. It is service. Financially, it's going to take a minute for a launching market center. We're already profitable, but it's still going to take money because you have to save up for reserves. You don't know what's going to happen with the market center. And one thing they know about me is I do not play about our financials as a market center at all. Gabby is <laughs> um, so, tight on the tight. Like, <laughs> and, and we're, we're growing, right? And I want to be able to one day be like Emrick, but and buy this huge space. But <laughs> let me we're help not you out. there yet, right? Don't set, don't set your sights so low. Don't set your sights so low on Emrick because there's so much more above Emrick. Just make Emrick your floor. And then your ceiling is limitless. But that was a blessing, right? Because, again, I got to foresee what it could look like for me, what it could look like for our brokerage, you know, and it was beautiful. You have your own ballroom. I was able to get to see all of that. You know, we're starting out lean. And that was the best advice I was given. You set the standard. You taught me a lot about operating a market center, especially a majority black market center. And what pitfalls I could potentially run into. And so for me, service is first. Like, you know, owner's profit comes second, but service comes first and getting these agents in production, knowing, letting them know that we will serve them at a high level. And as a black market center, you sometimes have to have a higher bar of excellence because people expect you to operate in a certain way. So we raised our bar even higher. I have to correct you. Not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> they expect you to operate at a high level. And, and that's real. And so when you're walking into that space, I just want you all to know that it's a thing where it's gradually, 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 then suddenly. When you paid your dues earlier, it's a saying, you do the things today that other people aren't willing to do so you can do the things tomorrow other people can't do. And so all you're doing is you're setting yourself up for success. And, and in that space, when we really start talking about wealth building from a franchise perspective, in that idea of, of wealth building, you're, you're, you're doing these incremental, you're having these incremental activities, you're having these incremental advances, you're having this incremental uh, ideology that's building to something special. Now, here's the real question, you know, 10 years from now, right? What do you expect to see from a wealth building perspective from your franchise opportunity 
and your ownership opportunity? What, what, what do you expect to see 10 years from now, Keisha? I know it's a tough conversation. Uh, you probably never thought about it this way. What do you expect to see? For me personally, I definitely expect to see myself out of the retail business altogether and more on a coaching and teaching type level. And to see um, other millionaires be made because of our opportunity and to give agents around us and in our office opportunities to be a part of uh, franchises um, and also to open more offices. That's what I see. I, I, I see us. Uh, setting the platform for a lot of people to be really successful and wealthy over the next 10 years. What do you see in the next 10 years, Gabby? Well, for me, this opportunity, I quickly learned it's rare, right? And so for me, I want to set the standard of excellence so that more black and brown, black people, let's be clear, can have this opportunity the same opportunity to open up. I also want to have an agent headcount higher than yours. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no competition. I told you. I told you. I said, I'm competitive. I, told you, let, I can't help let you. Me, let, let us be the floor. I have no issue with us being the floor. And you pass tell them I'm competitive. I can't help it. So, yeah, to it's open okay, up Gabby. another. You, you got a ways to go, just so you know. But it's okay. <laughs> I'm like to own a 25,000 square feet building. (laughs) But anyway, uh, but to open up this opportunity so that we can help. And, you know, we know that it's very hard to launch. Right. And to open up that opportunity now and coach other brokerages, because only six um, offices have actually launched in the past two years. And so I'm one of the very few people who know how to launch a market center properly. And it is very tough. (laughs) And so making sure that I'm able to coach other people to have this opportunity, making sure that we're able to open up more market centers with black OPs, investors, give more people wealth opportunities, have an agent headcount of 600 and then transition into another market center or a business center and own our space, (laughs) regardless of how big it is, own our actual space. I love it. I love it. And one of the things that you said is, uh, you know, grow into another market center or business center. And in that space of wealth building with franchising, you have that since once the hardest part is opening up one market center, right? Or opening up one office. Once you open up one, the second one is easier. The third one is easier. It gets easier. And so in that space of talking about wealth building, it's like they say, when you, once you make your first million, the second million is easy. Or once you make your first million, if for some reason you go bankrupt, you lose it. You can get it right. You can get it back a lot quicker because you already know the formula to get it done. And I love you guys' energy of what you bring to the table in this whole thought process. I'm super excited just to be around you guys. And and I'm looking forward to coming down and, and having this class next month. This month, it's already December. It and is. Oh it is. It's trade yeah. middle. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, it is. And Aaron, we would love you. you come and, and teach and embark some of your knowledge on our agents and us too. So we would love to make that happen. So we're we going to make that happen on December the 13th. How about that? Hey, that works. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's another question. We, we're going to close up. Here's a question for you. We talked about 10 years from now. What does this look like? Now I'm going to stretch this thing out a little bit further. With 15 years from now, Keisha... You 50, Keisha, you're in your 50s, right? Okay, yeah. Gabby, you in your 40s. 
Keisha, what are you telling your 40 year old self 15 years from now? And Gabby, what are you telling your 30 year old self 15 years from now? Now I'm going to you first. I'm going to go to Gabby first because I, I let you, I, I put you on the spot before Keisha. Now I'm going to put Gabby on the spot. What are you telling your 15, what are you telling your 30, 45, what are you telling your 30 year old self about wealth building and franchising and this opportunity? What are you telling yourself? Well, the first thing I'm telling myself, and I'm sorry, y'all, is I'm at a market center event. But the first thing that I'm telling myself is to cling to my elders. I, I think that was one of the best things because hindsight is twenty twenty, And that's why you're asking me this question. Talking to you, Emre, talking to Keisha, Meryl, it helps me skip a whole bunch of steps when it comes to wealth building. And I think it, it's a cold. And I give them that same perspective, right? Meryl hates me. I made him go to the Apple store with me and get a new phone. And I set it up for him inside of the store to teach him technology. I'm like, you're not going to keep using this old phone. And now he loves it. And so I, I think for me, it is um, knowing which elders to cling to and also asking them, you asked Keisha, one of the most important questions is at what point did you realize like, hey, I needed to move this opportunity on. What mistakes did you make? What did you do? What would you do differently? We learn a lot from, we always ask people like, what made you successful? But we never ask them what made you, you know, give up an opportunity or what made you, we never ask those type of questions because we always want everything to look all good. But I think it's important to ask them those questions and they tell me <laughs> and they're very honest with me, sometimes brutally honest and like, okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, that's, that's the, that's the whole idea is, you know, Nobody really wants to know how the sausage is made. They just want to taste the sausage. Nobody wants to know, you know, how, no, don't ask me how the sausage is made. You just keep eating it. Give me, give you the good stuff. Everything about the sausage is not good. And so when you understand how the sausage is made, it makes you better able to appreciate how good the sausage really is. So that, thank you. I'm glad you say clean to the elders because that's huge. Okay. You're up now, Keisha. You're talking, you're talking to your 40-year-old self, and now you're 55. You're four years younger than me. So <laughs> so what, what are you telling your 40-year-old self? Opportunity. Opportunity, opportunity. Seek as many opportunities as possible. There's so many ways to make an impact and make residual income just in real estate. So just continuously be in a space where you're open to learn and and bring new opportunities to yourself only by going to classes and networking and having conversations that I even know that ownership was a possibility within KW. So um, I'm, you know, just continue to immerse yourself and um, and put yourself in rooms you wouldn't traditionally be in, you know, so just soak up in all the opportunities. Don't limit yourself to just one thing. This is just one way to make that residual income and to plan the exit strategy. There are 50 other ways. Okay, okay. So, so now what I'm expecting, I'm expecting that in the next 15 years, I'm going to see this transformation of um, Gabby. And I'm saying this because you're in that role. This man, I'm looking to see this transformation of Gabby being a regional director, Gabby having you know, being the OP of three or four market centers. I'm looking at Keisha uh, pouring into folks 
from a perspective of she has had so many opportunities that she's taken advantage of that people are getting trickle down economics and they understanding that Keisha was the source of the trickle down economics. And we all come together as one and we have these kinds of conversations and we figure out how to help each other grow because that's what this is really about. This is about the wealth building opportunity for us as a collective. And what you ladies have said to me is that it's not about you, it's about the group. And I absolutely love that. And so this episode of the Color Money podcast has been super, super, super special because I had this opportunity to talk to you ladies. Final remarks. If you had to say something closing out this session or how you feel about the session or how you feel about the idea of wealth building, um, here's your opportunity to close out. Keisha, do you have any parting remarks? Sure. I would just say to those who are listening, you know, we make a lot of money in real estate. We really do. If you hunker down and, and focus in on your business, you're thriving. You're doing very, very well. So I'm just wanting to say to those agents and just people who make a lot of money in general, listen, like invest your money, be wise with it, especially reinvest in yourself. The only reason why I was able to take advantage of this opportunity is because I invested in my business through purchasing rental properties and Airbnb. So I was able to liquidate those properties in order to come into this situation debt free. People were telling me, take out a small business loan to do it. I'm like, no, I don't want the debt. I want to go in and and and, and be debt free. So stack your money and invest invest well when opportunities come. Be be ready. Be prepared. Don't blow all your money. Okay, cool. Gabby. Collaborate. Understand that collaboration is key. We have to stop competing with each other. We have to understand, and I'm highly competitive, but I understand the importance of collaboration. I tell people I would not be able to do this by myself. Two weeks after my first transmittal, I was flying up to Maryland to make sure I understood what I was doing, you know, from your perspective, right? Somebody who's been in the operating principal role for 20 plus years. And so, and if you can't find the support that you need, go out and look for it. Everything is not going to come to you. I went and searched out five or six different operating principles that weren't in my region so I could see how they do things. Get into coaching, but collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Okay. And community. I love that. Yes. Well, ladies, thank you so much. This has been the Color Money Podcast with Keisha Knight and Gabby Maddox-Davis. I'm super excited. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. And the rest of my crew, uh, Julia Lachey, Daniel Dixon, Bowman, Keedy, uh, we all thank you for being here and being a part of the Color Money Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Follow the Color of Money Podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 